The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the eighth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that, seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. What would you think about a gardener who wanted to grow some carrots but never bothered to go and buy any seed? You'd think that person was out of his mind, maybe hoping for a miracle, maybe hoping for some volunteer carrots to spring up out of nowhere, but you would think, this is not going to work if a gardener didn't ever buy any seed for the plants he wished to grow. Or, or imagine this, he wants to grow some carrots, so he buys some seed, but he never puts them in the ground, puts them in his bird feeder, puts them on the windowsill. And so when he looks out into his garden, he shouldn't be surprised that there's nothing growing. What would you think about a gardener who never bought seed or never planted it, or when the plants start growing up, and carrots are particularly difficult, I have found, watered and weeded, they might grow well, but if you do not do those things, imagine a gardener who does not do those things, what should he expect to find in his garden at the end of the day? Some carrots hidden, maybe, not good, strong, ripe ones like he'd want, not the fruit that he'd want at the end of the day. What would you think about a gardener who didn't take care of his plants? You'd think he was out of his mind. And that really is what it is like to be a Christian and never to hear God's word or hearing God's word not to believe it or believing God's word not to hold it fast, not to hold it fast in an honest and good heart. It is not possible to be a Christian without hearing God's word. It is not possible to be a Christian without hearing God's word. St. Paul tells us that faith comes by hearing. In fact, that's what faith is. It is believing the word of God. So you can't be a Christian without the word 
to believe in the first place. But there it is. It is also this. It is believing the word. It is letting it sink into your heart. It is putting your trust in it. It's not possible to be a Christian without believing God's word. And it is not possible to remain a Christian, to remain a Christian without holding fast to God's word, to let it slip away, to let it grow faint and distant in our memories, to let other things take its place in our minds and in our hearts. That's a recipe for losing your faith, for no longer being a Christian. Too often, folks think that being a Christian consists in this. And I hear it all the time. I'm sure you do, too. I'm a Christian because I believe in God, by which most people simply mean they believe that there is a God. They believe that there is a God. That's not the Christian faith. St. James observes that even the demons believe that there is a God, but at least the demons have this. They shudder at the fact that God exists. But sinners... Sinners like us in this world, we tend not to shudder at the existence of God. It is not saving faith simply to believe that God exists. That's what our lesson is all about today, what saving faith looks like. And it rests entirely on this gift that God gives to us, his word. Of all of the things that you might possess in life, and there are lots of them, lots of wonderful gifts that God gives to us, the one thing that matters most of all is God's Word. It is the one thing for which you should be willing to sacrifice absolutely everything else. You heard the words of Jesus when tempted by the devil. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is, God's Word is more valuable even than the food that fills your bellies. It's even more valuable than this life itself. God's Word is your most precious possession. That's what it is to be a Christian, is to believe that. And so to hold fast to God's word. What is the good soil that we hear about in our gospel lesson? It is soil which hears God's word, holds it fast with a good and honest heart, and bears fruit with patience. Let that be us. Let that be every Christian here in this place. Let that be every believer who puts their hope in God. That good soil which bears fruit with patience. So there are three things that you need to pay attention to then. The first one is hearing God's word. The second one is holding it fast. And the third is bearing fruit with patience. Three things, three steps, if you will, to being good soil. First of all, hearing God's word. But often the question comes up, and maybe you've had this question in your own minds, what really is God's word? What is God's word? It's very simple. God's word is the Bible. God's Word is the Bible. It's not contained in the Bible. It's not just parts of the Bible, but it is the Bible. That is God speaking to you. And so, and so, let me offer some practical, some practical help here. If you do not have a Bible, or you do not have one that you regularly read, let me know. I am here to help with this. You must hear God's Word in order to be a Christian. So you should have a Bible because that is God's word. But what is it about? Often we take a book like this, which has 1,500 pages in it, and we say, where should I begin? How can I possibly comprehend all of that? God's word seems pretty confusing. It's really not as bad as it seems. God's word is about this, very simply. It's about this. It's about being and remaining a child of God. God's word contains the instructions for your faith, to teach you what is true about God and your life. 
Above all, God's word teaches you what Christ has done for you. So if you ever need help understanding the scriptures, you can start with this very simple question. What does this teach me about God's love for me? What does this teach me about God's love for me? Here's how St. Paul puts it in his letter to Timothy. He says that all scripture is useful for this, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God, that is you, that you Christians may be complete and equipped for every good work, which is to say that the Bible is the most practical book the world has ever seen. You can go to the bookstore and find all kinds of self-help books that help you with various problems that you might have in life, and they might be more or less successful. Lots of helpful things you can find out there, but no book is more practical than the Bible. It trains you in righteousness. It teaches you to be a child of God. That's what you're looking for when you read the Bible. When you sow the seed of God's word in your heart, you're looking for righteousness. And so you should read it not the way that you might read all kinds of other things, and certainly not the way we consume stuff in our world today, not in little snippets and sound bites. It's not just a collection of so many inspirational quotes where you can just read one day after day and flip the calendar over. It's not like a conversation that you might have with somebody at the checkout where you just exchange pleasantries once in a while. Instead, here's how you ought to think about reading God's Word, how you read it. It's a conversation. A long conversation, a lifelong conversation with your Savior. That is to say, being a Christian does not consist in hearing it once and being done with it, but it consists in hearing it again and again and again and growing by means of it. You wouldn't say that you had a good relationship with your spouse if you just said, I do, and that was the last thing you said. Instead, you can only expect to have a good relationship if you talk and talk, and talk, even when you don't feel like talking, when there are pressing things around you, when things matter more, apparently, than the conversation that your spouse wants to have, whatever it might be, you need to talk. That's how it is with God's word as well. It's God speaking to us, and we need to listen. And this takes time. We see that wrapped up in the very last word of our gospel lesson, patience, patience. This takes time. Maybe you remember the story of Mary and Martha, who invited Jesus into their house. And the two sisters were busy, one with one thing and the other with another. So one sister, I always get them confused, I think it was Martha, who was busy with cleaning the house and preparing dinner for Jesus. And Mary was busy with sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him. And Martha was all exasperated. She said, Jesus, why don't you tell my sister to help me with these chores? We're trying to be good hostesses. And she's just sitting there on the floor listening to you talk. And Jesus rebuked Martha and said, Martha, Martha, you are concerned about so many things. But Mary has chosen the better portion. That is, right now, while Jesus is speaking, there is nothing else that matters. And pay attention. There is nothing else that matters, including even very good works like being a good hostess, like feeding somebody who's hungry. None of that matters in comparison with the importance of hearing God's word. Mary had chosen the better portion, and it took time. Notice that. It took time away from other things she could have been doing, other things that seemed to demand her attention, other things that she might have thought were very important. But this, this is most important. It takes time. For words to sink in, 
It takes time to listen carefully. It takes time to become familiar with someone else's voice. You know the difference between speaking to somebody once and then getting a phone call from them later and not recognizing who it is versus getting a phone call from your mom and knowing who it is just by the way she takes her breath in because you're familiar with that person's voice. It takes time to become familiar with God's voice. It takes time to endure being uncomfortable and confused and even bored with God's word. It takes time. This takes us to the second thing that's most important for you today, holding God's word fast. You will be uncomfortable and you will be confused and you will be bored as you engage God's word because God's word is going to work on your sinful heart. It's rooting out all kinds of wickedness all the time. And so it is not always an easy experience. It's not always a pleasant conversation. But Jesus instructs us to hold it fast. And the word that he uses there, to hold it fast, is kind of like the holding fast that a spider would do through a web to a fly that it wants to eat. Or like the story of Abraham where he's going to sacrifice Isaac and then there's a ram caught in the thicket. The thicket is holding on to that ram so that the more it struggles, the tighter it is grasped. That's how we are to hold on to God's word. The more we wrestle with it, the more it wrestles with us, the tighter, the tighter we are to hold on to it. Like Jacob wrestling with God at the river, refusing to let go. Refusing to let go until he receives a blessing. Hold it fast. Hold fast to God's word. Believe this, that God's word is meant to train you in righteousness. But it takes time. Now Jesus tells you that there are some dangers surrounding you as you hear God's word. There's the danger that the devil will come and snatch it away from your heart. There's the danger that there will not be enough moisture and while the plant sprouts up quickly, it will wilt away under the heat of the sun. There's the danger that weeds and thistles will grow up around it and choke it out, the cares and pleasures of this life. Watch out for the dangers that Jesus identifies, the devil and the world and your own sinful flesh, all of which are vying for your attention, for your heart, trying to get you to hold fast to their words instead of God's word. Say no. Refuse them. Hold fast to God's word instead. Do it, and when it becomes difficult, here's an exercise for you. When it becomes difficult to read the Bible or to listen to God's word, when it becomes difficult to come to church on a Sunday morning, when you encounter challenges, pause and ask yourself why. Why is this hard right now? Suppose you set your mind to wake up every morning and read a chapter out of the Bible every day. Why is that hard? What gets in the way? Is it that you stayed up too late the night before? Is it that you've got too much in your mind first thing in the morning? Is it that you've got other bad habits that get in the way of reading the scripture? What is it? Ask yourself why. And when you ask that question, you will see the ways that the devil, the world, and your sinful nature are harassing you. And then you can be honest. You can, with an honest and good heart, repent of everything that is enticing you and believe instead in God. You can leave those things behind. You can say, I can see right now what is distracting me from God's word, what is drawing me away from it, and I will say no to it. But you have to be honest. You can't just say, I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. I've got too much else going on. You have to be honest about why it is that you don't take up God's word. Because you love other things. Because other things are more important to you. Because other things seem more valuable. Be honest. And then 
You can call the thing what it is. And you can turn towards God in repentance and trusting in him. And so you will bear fruit. This is the third part, the most important part altogether, the part with, you, with which you have the least to do. After all, as much as a farmer or a gardener might put seeds in the ground and water and weed, it is God who gives the growth. The gardener does lots and lots of things, but it is really just the tip of the iceberg in comparison with what God does. No one can pull a plant out of a seed. God is the one who gives the growth. But again, notice this. It takes time. Carrots are especially bad for this. I think it takes something like two or three weeks for carrots to even sprout above the ground. You have to wait. And when you don't see growth right away, wait some more. Believe God's word. He has promised that if you listen to him, if you hear his word, if you read your Bible, you will bear fruit in abundance. God is not concerned about wasting his word. Did you notice that in our gospel lesson? The sower goes out to sow, and if he were particularly stingy, or if he didn't have enough seed, he would have made sure that none of it fell on the path, and none of it fell on rocks, and none of it fell among thorns. But instead, he's got enough seed to go around that he throws it out like it's no big deal. That's how God is generous with his word. There is no shortage of it. He is not worried about wasting it on you, and so he encourages you to sow abundantly. Always more. I can say it without a shadow of doubt. We can all use more Bible. More Bible in our lives. I'll tell you if you've got too much. More Bible so abundantly that you may reap abundantly. The one who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. sparingly. We should not be surprised. If we do not hear God's word and nothing happens. If we do not plant the seed and we do not grow in faith. But instead... If God's word is planted in our hearts, if we attend to it, if we listen to it, if we hold it fast with good and honest hearts, look at the promise for growth. The growth is exponential. That is, for each seed, a hundred more are produced. The growth is exponential. Far more than you could produce on your own. Far better than you could hope for on your own. For the fruit is this, righteousness. Not the righteousness of the world, not self-righteousness, thinking that you're so good, but the righteousness that comes by faith, trusting in God's promises. This is why the Bible is such a practical book, because it teaches you to trust in God. And in trusting in God, you can endure, face every challenge that you might encounter in life. Absolutely every one. Come to me with a list of all the problems you might face, and I will tell you how faith conquers those problems. Is it worry? Faith teaches you to put your trust in God and let him bear your anxieties and concerns. Is it grief? Are you concerned about loss? Faith teaches you that God gives and God takes away and God is good. That is to say, he never gives you curses, but only blessings. Is it death? Is it what's going to happen to you after your body is laid in the grave? Faith teaches you to trust that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so also will you be raised from the dead. Is it temptation and sin and guilt? Are you overwhelmed with the things you should not have done, but you have, with regret over choices you've made, decisions that are in your past? Are you overcome by guilt? Faith teaches you that Christ has borne all of your guilt to the cross. It was nailed with him on the cross. He bled for you, died for you to forgive your sins. Faith is the remedy For absolutely every problem you might face in life, God's word is what delivers faith. The Bible is the most practical book there is. And so, read, hear, learn it, 
Inwardly digest it, take it to heart, hold it fast with honest and good hearts and bear fruit patiently. Gardeners work really hard, but what they are doing is the tiniest fraction, the tiniest fraction compared to what God does. God gives you this task, simply to listen to his word, to hear it and believe it. He has entrusted his word to you. Just like if you received a letter in the mail saying that you are now the heir to a great fortune, you would take that letter and you would read it and reread it and read it again and hold it in the pocket of your jacket so that it was never far from you. That's how God's word should be to us. That's all that God asks of us, that we hear the voice of our shepherd, that we follow him to green pastures and still waters, that we follow him to life everlasting. We read just a portion of Isaiah chapter 55, and I want to end with this. I want to read that lesson again, but I want you to hear the whole chapter. Hear it all in the context of what I've just said to you about holding fast to God's word, about hearing it and believing it. Listen to what God says about how much he loves you and how much he wants to give you by his word. Come, he says. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because the Lord your God, and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty." but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.